We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Wednesday morning. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you. You're listening to the Road to Wire Fantasy Basketball Pod. We're here with you every Wednesday morning around 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Brandon, another kind of weird week in the NBA. We had the holiday on Monday. Obviously, the NBA does not take MLK Day off. If anything, they, they load up. So we've had a busy week already coming off of a, a relatively light Tuesday night slate. Only three games last night, but they're pretty good ones, right? We saw Phoenix you know, mount a huge comeback to, to beat the Sacramento Kings. Kevin Durant hitting a pair of free throws with just over a second left to seal that. I was watching OKC and the Clippers late last night. Super fun game. Paul George completely took over in the last five minutes to will LA to a 128-117 win. And we got the Jokic and Bede showdown in Philly last night. 126-121 uh, was the victory for the 76ers. 41-10 and for Joel Embiid. Did you catch any of the Jokic and Bede showdown? I did. Uh, I was on the. It, it was. It was one of those where, as a, you have the sports fan side of your brain and interest, and you have the sports betting side. Far more intrigued of the storyline of of matching up big man MVPs in Philadelphia and Denver. Uh, but I was on the Suns minus four and a half last night, so I I found myself gravitating towards Suns Kings, and mm-hmm. that's the disgusting thing about sports betting is that it it takes you away sometimes from what the main storyline is. Uh, but both games were tremendous. Joel Embiid, I don't think he knows how to score less than forty points at this point. Um, that was yeah. uh, a, a heroic effort and something that and it wasn't even like he's just like getting these easy buckets around the rim being the the massive body that he is his mid-range game is virtually unstoppable uh, so that it was uh b- both games were a, a joy to watch in their own right even though i lost my bet yeah we were talking on the rotowire nba show which you can hear on sirius xm nba every evening from 6 to six thirty central uh, about the the points plus rebounds prop for nba i, I want to say it was only 44 and a half and like that's Joel Embiid cares so much more about this game against Jokic than Jokic does uh, on the other side of things. Like I, you absolutely know Embiid is going to bring it in that spot, and, and certainly he did. I mean, the fact that this was a close game, it was a high scoring game, that certainly helped. I mean, Embiid played 39 minutes. This was 78. Uh, I was I believe it was tied. Yeah, 78, 78 at the half. That's more points than the Blazers scored in an entire game last week. Yes, very, very true. Um, and uh, and, and, the Blazers, but nonetheless. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, tough sledding for them these days. Yeah. You still had a ho-hum 25-19 effort from Nikola Jokic, so it's not like he was uh, he was bad uh, by any means, but this team's not nearly as good away from the house as they are at Denver. Um, and then, yeah, then you had that, that Suns comeback that really spurred by uh, – d- Durant played great. Grayson Allen was a monster last night. The guy had like seven threes by halftime. Yeah. I was watching through the King stream and the, and they just, they could not stop glowing about Grayson Allen and the King's inability to stop him around the perimeter. The Kings led that game by 18 points midway through the quarter, you know, with like five minutes left. This looked like it was completely sewn up and, you know, the sun's closed strong, 
uh, in the third, end up outscoring Sacramento 35 to 21 in the final period. And you mentioned it at Grayson Allen, nine of 14 from three on the night. KD, he hit four threes on his way to 27 points. Good night uh, for Bradley Beal as well. Only ended up with 13, but uh, started to feel his effect a little bit more for this Suns team. You know, kind of offset a, what, what was a below average night for Devin Booker scoring wise, just 16 points on 14 shots, but did have 11 assists. I mean, Phoenix now, you know, 22 and 18. I, I still don't know if this is a team that's going to show us what we want to see from them in the regular season. They have won three straight. Those will come over the Lakers, the Blazers, and Sacramento. They are at the Pelicans on Friday, which should be a pretty good test. After that, Indy, Chicago, Dallas, Indy. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i certainly not punting on the Suns. Uh, I know when they, they went through that that rougher patch, like around Christmas, you know, we were starting to talk about, man, what's the ultimate upside of this team? I, I still think they're going to be really good. Um, I don't know that I would take them, you know, over a team like Denver. I, I think, you know, Phoenix, the Lakers, Golden State, those teams to me are, are still kind of in a similar basket. Although I, I'm starting to worry about the Warriors, Brandon, uh, you know, especially, and we'll get into this later. I, you know, I, you laughed at me when I said that at the, after game one of the season, I just want to point that out. Okay. okay. Game, game one of the season. <laughs> yes. I, I did not foresee Draymond Green being suspended twice. Clay Thompson falling off a cliff, uh, you know, Trace Jackson Davis becoming their starting center. Um, well, we'll talk about the, the speculative. I want you to know that. All right. Keep All right. it all right. That's that's kind of a scary thought for me. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about the Pascal Siakam, uh, you know, rumored potential trade to Indiana. I think that was the one thing where it's like if the Lakers could turn, you know, if they could do that deal with or without Kaminga, obviously you'd prefer to keep him. I think you probably have to put him in that deal unless you're giving up, you know, big time draft capital. Um, you know, I, I think adding Siakam to that team, does it make them the title favorite? No, definitely not. Does it push them at least into that conversation? Perhaps. Uh, but I think it at least would bring them into the playing zone, into you know maybe the, the the push for the five, six, seven seed in the Western Conference. And if Pascal Siakam ends up in Indiana, um, you know we could talk about what that means for the Pacers. But I think that would be that would be kind of taking the number one trade target off the table for the Warriors. And I don't I don't know where you turn there. I mean there there are some secondary options, but I, I think Siakam to me is probably the biggest impact player who could be available. Like I would I would much rather you know, give up two or three first rounders and, and a couple of role players for Siakam than I would Zach Levine. Yeah. And I, I think if you're looking at it from the, um, from the Raptors perspective, wh whose picks would you rather have? Honestly, I, I think I'd rather have golden States. Cause if the trade didn't work out, uh, this team is really struggling to keep up in the Western yeah. conference right now. And, and and so that's I think that that's a factor here when you look at it from the Raptors side. Who would yeah. you rather have? Bruce Brown was the speculated piece, uh, the, the big piece to come over from Indiana. I'd rather take my chances on Jonathan Kaminga. I do think it would help the Golden State Warriors tremendously. Do I all of a sudden think they're title contenders? No, I still like all of those teams that are bunched mm -hmm. up at the top in the West a little bit better. Uh, and then you have teams that haven't quite put it all together like the Dallas Mavericks um the, yep. the Kings the the Suns that I would still like better than where Golden State is right now but that definitely pushes Golden State into the playoffs assuming they don't deal with a major blow injury wise so that should definitely be something the Golden State Warriors are pushing hard to do um but this Indiana stuff Shams is reporting it seems to have a lot of steam and that's a team that's sitting in the sixth spot right now in the East that plays no defense whatsoever. Pascal Siakam could help in that regard. So before we dive in on, on what that could look like, because I think it's a fun conversation to have, even though that trade has not happened, like you said, when it gets to the point where we get the Shams tweet, we get the full article at The Athletic with it, you know, that, that means that talks are pretty serious. So I, I think we, we could be heading you know, toward a trade being finalized in the next week or so. But uh, again, it's you know, somewhat speculation at this point. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talking about Golden State and, and and you know the assets that they have to potentially trade, I, I I forgot that they owe their first round pick to Portland this season. It's top four protected, so you know in all likelihood, barring a you know complete fall off by the Warriors or a disaster on lottery night, that will convey this season. They, you know they could hand over anywhere from like the tenth to the fifteenth pick right now to Portland. Uh, if it were not to convey this year, if that did land in the top four, it's only top one protected in 2025 and then it would become unprotected in 2026 and if my memory serves me correctly Brandon I believe that trade dates all the way back to the Andre Iguodala Memphis deal in 2019. Wow wow yeah yeah that's changed hands a couple times since then and usually with the contenders that is the case that is something that we should have taken and I should have taken into consideration when talking about potential first round picks on the move when you're dealing with teams like the Golden State Warriors and the Mm -hmm. Uh, Boston Celtics or or LA Lakers, these teams are trading first round picks. They do not care about that. They are trying to stay heavily in contention. And those first round picks at the back end of the first round are essentially trade chips and not real assets to building a roster. Well, it's also sad because, you know, at the time you were thinking 2024, like who, who knows? Maybe the league won't even exist at that point. Like that's so yeah, far right. in the future. What will be in a bubble. Curry will probably be retired at that point. It's like, no, no. Uh, 2024 has has arrived quickly. I mean, I know, I, I think they they sent a 2030 pick to Washington as as part of the Jordan Poole deal. That was another one where it's like, all right, yeah, remind me in five years. And before we know it, that one will be conveying as well. Um, but let's let's talk about the Siakam uh, you know, potential addition for the Indiana Pacers. And by the way, as we always do, guys, if you're if you're new, if you're watching along live, throw some questions in the stream. We'll hit those. Over the second half of the podcast, we'll get to as many as we can, if not all of them. So continue to throw those questions in there. We see them, we acknowledge them, and we will answer them before we head out. Um, so on Siakam, you know, the, the rumor deal would basically be you know three first round picks, according to Shams. You know, there was some um, some you know reporting that Bruce Brown would likely be included for salary purposes. Fantasy-wise, and we'll start with that aspect of it. I think this would be ideal for Pascal Siakam, right? You know, I think Siakam landing in Golden State, that wouldn't be a disaster. But, you know, I I think Golden State plays such a unique brand of basketball. I think there could be a learning curve. You know, it's like, how does he fit in? Is he the true second option? Is is there, you know, kind of a a reverence, a a, a deference to Klay Thompson, uh, you know, who's still kind of trying to cling to that title? I think Siakam landing in Indy would be so perfect for fantasy. Not only do they put up a ton of points, they allow a ton of points, they play close games, they play at a fast pace. And, you know, they have Tyrese Halliburton, who's obviously their number one guy, but, you know, he's a high usage player in terms of what he does for other players. Like he, he can score when he needs to, but 
I, I think Pascal Siakam in Indy would almost be a co-number one as opposed to to sliding in as a number two or a number three elsewhere. And, you know, some of these other destinations like Dallas, Sacramento, they've been on the list. It's like if you were to go to one of those teams, like to me, he's a pretty clear number three. And I think it could actually be a downgrade for him. Whereas if he lands in Indy, if this trade goes through, I, I think I'm upgrading Pascal Siakam's fantasy value. I would. I don't think it's that different from where he is right now, but it's definitely a tick. If anything, it's a tick up with Indiana, and you nailed it. It's the distribution that is created by Tyrese Halliburton. Steph Curry is one of the best point guards ever, but it's because of what he does from the three-point line. Clay Thompson is a diminished version of himself, but still one of the best shooting guards of all time because of what he does from the three-point line, not because of he's getting forwards involved. So that you worry about. Uh, with Dallas, obviously the ball sticks to Kyrie and Luka Doncic, and so where are the opportunities? The The Pacers play to breakneck speed. You figure his usage will stay high because of the hierarchy within that offense. Um, I think it would completely tank the value, obviously, of a Jalen Smith, of an Obi Toppin, just based on the way the rotations would go. On the Raptors' side, you figure more of the scoring load falls on Scotty Barnes. Things start to open up for Jalen McDaniels. We had a question about him on last week's episode uh, that you and I did. So uh, I think things, not only are they better for Pascal Siakam with a trade to Indiana, they clear things up pretty easily for uh, the Toronto side as well. Yeah, I, I think there'd be a lot to be excited about there. And, you know, if it, if it would just be Bruce Brown as the the lone, like, you know, real impact player heading to Toronto, you know, I that that to me doesn't really move the needle a ton. I, I think it would be it would be a boost for the guys who are already there, right? I mean, that just that kind of adds more for Scotty Barnes. It adds more for Emmanuel quickly, and you know, maybe maybe opens up you know a little more space for for some of the depth pieces that the Raptors have, and I, I think would also signal somewhat of a reboot. I wouldn't say rebuild because you have enough pieces here where you're not you're not going to completely bottom out. But um, you know, the other part of this, of course, and you know, as as Don Sicario uh, in the chat points out, he says, as a Raptors fan, I'd rather they extend Siakam, they get a bad deal and trade him down the line. Totally understand that perspective. Um, I, I think if you're getting three first rounders, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, we'll see what the protections are on those. Although, you know, you forecast like what do the Pacers look like over the next three to four years? They're probably at worst a league average team at the absolute worst. You know, th those picks are likely conveying in the, in the, the early 20s. You would imagine. So it's, you know, you're not looking at some sort of treasure trove, you know, net Celtics, uh, Gerald Wallace type of deal here. But I think that might just be the market for an expiring player in, in Siakam. Yeah. And then if you're Indy, you know, are, are, are you comfortable extending Pascal Siakam? Because if you're giving up three first round picks for him, it's not a rental. Like that's that's part of the deal. He turns 30 in a couple of months. I, I would be fine with that. I mean, we, we continue to see a ton of players play well into their mid thirties. I think that's something, you know, I was talking to, uh, I forget who it was on the, on the NBA show last night. Um, you know, I, I think part of the reason the league is so deep right now with overall talent is obviously we have a ton of great young players, but the old guard has not really phased out, right? Like the guys who were running the league 10 years ago are still extremely relevant, if not still running the league, right? Like I, I think you go back a decade and, you know, guys who were you know running the league in the early 2000s, they were starting to fade out by the time they hit 33, 34, 35. Whereas Curry, Durant, LeBron, Harden, uh, you, know, you, you could even throw like Paul George, Kawhi in, in that camp. Like all these guys are still playing at, at a high level. So roundabout way of saying, you know, if you're giving Pascal Siakam a, a three plus one type of deal, like I, I think that's fine. I, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff when he's 33. So the where I would say I understand where the, the the fan that chimed in their trepidation with a deal like this. How many teams can we look at? And I'm not asking this question uh, uh, rhetorically. Um, but I, I I really would love to know the answer. How many teams that are really good right now have been built up because of a trade that they made where they collected a slew of first round picks? Is is there a sample of that in the NBA? Because we see this type of deal mm. all the time. But if there's no example of it paying off, what is it really worth? Because we all know yeah. this is not like the NFL. You trade for three first-round picks in the NFL, you are stealing. In the NBA, it doesn't always work like that. Uh, it can. I would just I would love to know what what teams is it the Thunder? 
Like, who do we look that's at and kinda, say, you've had all these the picks. Only one. <clears throat> when, and, you know, with the Thunder, you know, most for the most part, those are their own picks that they've hit on, right? Um, you know, it, it's not like they, like the Chet Holmgren pick wasn't theirs. And, you know, obviously SGA is, is their primary piece. And they, they got him as part of one of those trades where they also got a bunch of draft picks. But it's not like they... They, they inherited that pick and then three years later took him. So, no, I think that's a very good point. I, I think way more often than not, these picks end up falling in the middle to bottom third of the draft. And unlike the NFL, where you, you still get, you know, big time impact players in the late first round, in the second, in the third round in the NBA or in the NFL, in the NBA, if those picks fall outside of the lottery, I mean, good luck. Like it, we, we've seen teams do it. You know, obviously, you know, you got your, your diamonds in the rough every year, but it becomes exponentially harder if those picks are falling in the twenties, as opposed to falling in the top five. And again, I don't see, I don't see Indy as a team that's, that's going to be bottoming out anytime soon, barring bad injury luck that could strike anybody. Yeah. And the first round picks, of course, you're not going to end up using all of them if you trade for a bunch, but it, it, it and this is where OKC has, yeah. and they're still sitting on a bank of it. Uh, you use it as currency. Right. But at some point as a fan, like that's great if we're on a podcast with a general manager and they would sell us on why they love collecting picks so much. But as a fan, what does that really do for you? You're looking for your team to get better as quickly as possible without, you know, flash frying it to where you impact your team negatively down the road for five years. That's how fans think. So it's hard to wrap your head around trading a really good player that is highly valuable in Pascal Siakam so that you can sit on first round picks for a couple of years. I think that's really tough for fans to grapple with. All right. I want to talk about the jazz and I want to talk about the Grizzlies before we start hitting some questions in the chat. But first we got a message from our friends at FanDuel tackle millions in prizes, all playoffs long in FanDuel fantasy contests. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now, New customers get a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. Playing fantasy for huge cash prizes on FanDuel is fun. It's exciting. Just draft your lineup and watch your team move up the leaderboard. I play on FanDuel every week. Got some private contests going on with some friends. Every now and then I'll throw down in one of the big contests, but just add so much, especially this time of year, you know, when fantasy is basically over. You know, some people are in playoff leagues, but now's the time where when you can really dive in on DFS and some of the pickup contests out there. Love doing that on FanDuel. Plus, on FanDuel, you can choose full slate contests featuring multiple games, single-game contests, season-long best ball, beginner-only contests. Those are fantastic. If you're just learning the ropes for DFS, they got a whole – basically any contest that you want to find, you can dig up on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid instantly. Uh, not talking one of those deals where two weeks later, you know, there's some sort of hold and then the money shows up in your account. You get it as soon as the contest is officially over. Kick off the NFL playoffs with a 100% deposit match up to $100. Go to FanDuel.com to start playing for huge cash prizes today. Again, that is FanDuel.com or just go download the app. We're also brought to you by Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pick'em contests. If you haven't tried Underdog, new users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to $100 plus a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. All you got to do is use our code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app and use that code RWNBA. That'll get you a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. Everything on our site, not just basketball, not just football. If you're a baseball guy, you can get our draft kit. Uh, and you also get that deposit bonus up to 100 bucks, which is essentially free money. So go take advantage of that. Again, underdogfantasy.com or go check out their app. Um, all right, let's talk some Grizzlies. I can't remember a team having worse injury luck than this, Brandon. This is getting completely out of hand. And it, it started with Steven Adams, you know, right before the season, we find out, oh, he's actually not back. He's going to miss the entire year. And it is completely snowballed from there. I mean, they're basically down to Jaron Jackson as like the, you know, the, the lone key guy in this rotation over the course of like five days, you know, John Morant out for the season, Marcus Smart out several weeks, Desmond Bain out several weeks. And, you know, obviously it's been a disaster. I think the Grizzlies cannot salvage their season at this point. I think they are a total cross-off for me. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where, where they end up you know, in the 2024 draft. I think that's kind of the only way you can approach this. Fantasy-wise, it becomes very interesting. We can talk about the Jared Jackson side of this in a moment. Um, you know, I'm looking on Yahoo right now at the most added players in the last 24 hours. Far and away, two Memphis Grizzlies, Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, I would not overlook a guy like Luke Kennard. I don't know how heavily rostered he is at this point, but um, David Roddy is going to play significant minutes here too. I think you're just sort of taking uh, you're you're taking um, an educated guess as to who is going to really be the consistent contributor. But it's worth taking a plunge on some of these guys because of all of the minutes that have now opened up with these injuries. And you're right, this team at 15 and 25, they are in no man's land right now. They can't compete with the Pistons, Hornets, Wizards, and Spurs for the most lottery balls because those teams are so far behind. You most can't even catch them in traveling backwards. Um, and they're not going anywhere with the roster they have. So they're sort of stuck in this like top of the top of the bottom quarter of the NBA. Um, but those are all guys that you should be targeting if you've got the roster space. They have a four-game week next week. They have a four-game week the week after, uh, and then a three-game week, which ends up being a – it's a pretty light week overall. We're talking the first you know full week in February. Um, so you know the vast majority of the league is on a three-game week at that point. So the schedule, for the most part, works in their favor. Um, you know, I, obviously, Jackson has had back-to-back really nice games. GG Jackson, that is. I think they'll they'll give him more opportunity, right? I mean, most of these guys that we talked about are not coming back anytime soon. Jake Laravia, you know, one of their picks from last year, he's out as well. That opens up a little bit more opportunity. So I'm I'm very intrigued by by Gigi Jackson. He's from South Carolina, second rounder in 2023. Really was you know bouncing back and forth. He's on a two way. Um, it was in the G League for for most of the early part of the season. Really had not been in the rotation at all before that Knicks game over the weekend. But 20 points, six boards, and a block. Uh, in their loss to the Knicks, and then 23.6 rebounds, two steals, two blocks in their win over Golden State on MLK Day. So I'm very intrigued there, and you know I, I have no issue whatsoever adding Jackson or Vince Williams. Like you said, Kennard, he's rostered in 25% of leagues right now. Mm. That seems a little bit low. You know, I'm obviously I, in a points league, I really have no interest in him. I mean, he is a he's a three pointer specialist, but you know, as bad as the Grizzlies will likely be for the next couple of months, there there will be points to be had and. Um, I, I think he's worth adding if you're in a 14 or a 16 team league for sure. Yeah. And uh, Gigi Jackson, for those that look at the, the 23 points off the bench that he had in that last game, it, w- it didn't stop there. Two steals and two blocks. Right. Um, a lot to ask for night to night, but th- like we've said, this has now opened up opportunities for guys on the roster. And this is how second round picks get discovered in the NBA. Cause the minutes just would not have been there if this team were fully stocked and healthy. Uh, so the three-point shooting will keep him active um, and, and a contributor for the Memphis Grizzlies. And then if you can get those defensive stats on top of it, absolute win. So I uh, might need to go buy me some GG Jackson stock when we hop off the pod. That's uh, yeah. definitely somebody worth looking at. I, I grabbed him in a couple of daily leagues. You know, my my, my, my two like highest dollar leagues, the NFBKC and the, and the Stake League. Uh, you know, our, our ESPN you know waivers run Sunday night situations. So I'll, we'll keep you posted on Monday when I'm back with Alex Barutha uh, for what those guys go for. I think this this is a, a kind of going to be a fascinating fab bid because you know both of these guys are relatively unknown. They don't really have name value. I, I think it's going to be super interesting to see you know how much people are willing to pony up. But there there could be rest of season value here because I know, you know, Bain smart. Those guys should be back at some point. I'm not saying they're going to shut them down. I, I think they will play again, but I mean, how many games do they play? Do they come back and, you know, play five to 10 games and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're in March and, and Memphis starts, you know, looking at the lottery and, and wanting to, to try to get you know, as many ping pong balls as they can. We've seen this before from teams in this situation. The other side of this is Jaron Jackson, who is the, the lone, you know, big name, healthy Grizzly these days. I have him in a bunch of leagues. I have him in the stake league. I could have traded him. I was offered Jalen Duran and Bruce Brown. I, I mm. had to turn it down. I, I didn't. I didn't love it. I mean, obviously Duran is fantastic for a few categories, but um, doing okay in rebounds. So that one was was a, a little unappealing. But I, I thought it was a fair fair request at the time. I, I am very worried about his efficiency going forward. You know, I think the the performance that we saw against the Warriors unfortunately is, is emblematic of a lot of the games we saw from him early in the season when he was kind of the lone healthy grizzly four of 20 from the field three of 14 from three like i absolutely love jared jackson but we've said it a bunch on this pod he needs he needs the infrastructure around him to be the player that he is you do not want jared jackson being your number one option you know somebody who's creating his own shots he has no business taking 14 three-pointers in a game so i, I do think you know the, there's going to be an uptick in raw scoring 
I, I think the defensive stats should sustain, relatively speaking. It's been a disappointment compared to last year. I am very much worried about what he's going to do to my field goal percentage category. Yeah, as you should be. And I, I think it is uh, of the many things that I hope we've been spot on for you guys uh, throughout the duration of this podcast as we now dip into 2024. Uh, I think this is the note that we have hit the most accurately throughout the course of the season. How, just how much Jaron Jackson Jr.'s offensive game and his offensive efficiency, as you've put it, really relies on the presence of, of John Morant. What John Morant opens up for him in terms of taking that pressure off, the way he sets up Jaron Jackson, the pick-and-roll game, it's a two-man game they play out there, and without the head of the snake, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just left out there to die, so to speak. 41% shooting over the last 10 games. Look at the last two. Scored 18 points in 21, so it looks good. Raw stats are like, okay, I can do that. 20% and 30% from the field. That is atrocious, especially for a guy as big as he is. I, I just don't see this ending well if uh, if you're in a league that relies on shooting percentages. You know, In the very small sample of games that he's played with John Morant this season, he's shooting 51% from the field. He's shooting 43% without John Morant. You know, it's, it's, it's a noticeable drop off and it was immediate, right? Like as soon as Jock came back, it, you kind of saw a change in, in, in Jaron Jackson's game. I think he was able to focus a little bit more on the defensive stats. The block started to come around and um, you know, I, I think it's, we're kind of back to, to early season Jaron Jackson now. And, and I think the defensive stats might be a little bit spottier, still going to have those explosive performances, but I think to me, a lot of those are, are going to be matchup based. You know, I think they're going to run into a lot of opponents who can handle Jaron Jackson. You're not really worried about anybody else on this roster. So I, I would look into offloading him. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take like a, you know, take a massive loss on this one, but if you could get a fair deal, I think now's, you know, the sooner the better as far as trying to offload him. Let's talk some jazz quick. Then we'll start hitting, uh, we'll start hitting questions in the chat. Utah 15 and four in their last 19 games. Uh, you know, when I was looking through, some of the future draft pick, uh, you know, transactions right now, Brandon, they owe their first round pick to OKC and it is top 10 protected. So there's not, you know, Utah has to either solidify their place in the bottom 10 or make sure they're out of the bottom 10 or you're handing over a pick uh, to the Warriors. And I think it would certainly be preferable uh, if you're Utah to to try to hold on to that. Um, I'm looking at how it conveys, you know, it's top 10 protected next year as well. And then top eight protected uh, the year after that. So pretty similar protections the next couple of years. Utah has been on a complete surge. I mean, they are, they've completely flipped the narrative on their season. Obviously, Laurie Markkinen has been a big part of that. They're up to the nine spot in the Western Conference, a game behind Phoenix, uh, just two and a half behind the Pelicans for the sixth seed in the West. Uh, my question to you, Brandon, is this in any way sustainable? I want to say yes, because I think this Jazz team, when they're good, is really fun, and they'll be, they'll be slept on, um, for another month, so some uh, some opportunities in the betting market for sure, which I uh, love to partake in. Um, my issue is they did this to us last year. Now, they did it earlier last year. They were one of the hottest teams right out of the gate, and they looked like they could not be beat. And right now, it looks like the Jazz may never lose again. They, they've won nine of their last ten games. They've won six in a row. Um, I, I fear... The pessimistic side of me says maybe this is just who they are with the collection of talent they have, Markinen, Sexton, Jordan Clarkson being the core three right now, where they can run really hot and then they're going to tail off. Right now they're running really hot. I I want to buy into it, but uh, I, I'm a little bit scarred from what I saw last year at the start of the season. So I, I'm going to say no, it's not sustainable. Um but that's also an easy thing to say when they're not losing right now because this this isn't quite who they are. All right, let's start hitting questions in the chat. Uh, keep throwing those in there. We will go in chronological order, as we always do. And we start with an Anthony Simons question. Uh, our question asker says, I would like to trade away Anthony Simons. Who can I realistically target? Maybe package him with one of Duncan Robinson, Dante DiVincenzo, Anyeka Okungwu, or Alex Caruso. Yeah, I think those are all fair attachments, all have value in their own way. And yeah, Simons is an interesting one. I mean, he's been kind of all over the map. You know, when he first came back, he was super hot right out of the gate. Uh, you know, bat missed a few games with an illness. Hasn't really looked quite the same since then. He had that big game against Brooklyn uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, played well against Phoenix. 
in their last game uh, over the weekend, but has mixed in some pretty, pretty ugly shooting performances. He's got a five of 16, a one of eight, 0 for 10 against Minnesota, uh, you know, five days ago. So I, I understand wanting to offload Anthony Simons. I wouldn't worry a ton necessarily about him, you know, being a, a load management candidate down the stretch. I think Portland's not going to have trouble losing any games with him in the lineup. But if you are looking to deal Anthony Simons, uh, do, do any names come to mind, Brandon? I, I will say I would wait for him to to have like two good games back to back and then try yeah. to do it because right now, you know, anybody paying attention is going to be like, eh, I, I don't know if I want to play, you know, full price for Simons, you know, the way he's played over the last two weeks. So I, uh, this would not be the time to do it because you'd be buying sky high but i then i might have i might rather have grayson allen right now i uh is that is that are we taking too deep of a plunge there i i mean if he's if he's giving you nine threes a game no but i mean that's (laughs) he's played well i'll give him that he's played very well it hasn't been just one that one game was uh maybe his best but um he's been really good um And I think you could probably get multiple players, especially if you wait, like Nick said, after a good performance from Anthony Simons, because when he's at his best, he's a he's a stat monster. He's a scoring machine. Um, Jaime Jaquez, if he continues to get opportunities in Miami, this guy's playing like obviously he's not going to win rookie of the year because of the rookies that he's going up against Wimby and Chet Holmgren. But he's in most years, he's playing like a guy that could be part of that conversation. Um, I think you could get him and something else and maybe you beef up your roster that way. Um, just a couple of, I'm yeah. just trying to th- creatively think of how you can do this. It's really hard to offload Blazers players with how bad that team is, especially given that at any point when you try and pull this off, their team could score 77 on you. Yeah. So it's, it's, sometimes that can be hard. Yeah, I mean, a couple of names to come to mind for me, maybe like Austin Reeves, Devin Vassell, uh, you know, Colin Sexton has been a much better fantasy player uh, over the last couple of weeks and certainly over the last month than Simons. So, you know, I, I think Simons has name value. He's, he's going, still going to give you, you know, plenty of boom performances over the rest of the year. So I, I don't think you're going to have to take a major loss here. Uh, but again, I understand the motivation. I think, you know, the highest you could aim would be like a, you know, Tobias Harris, CJ McCollum, something like that. Zach Levine, uh, you know, as a player, a lot of people are down on, but, especially if you're willing to, you know, to add one of those role guys to the package, I, I don't think you have to settle, you know, for, for like a, a true role player. Like you should be able to get something of, of pretty decent value. You could um, end up targeting, like if you really think Pascal Siakam or finding somebody else that you think is about to get traded and then trade for a player that's on that same roster. So trade for a Raptor whose value is going to increase in the next week or so could be a route to go. Thoughts on Keegan Murray and D'Angelo Russell asks our friend Alec. Um, I'm not a Russell guy. I just, I, I absolutely hate watching him. Um, he's got a new, got new hair going on as well, which was a little bit jarring. He's, he's, play, he's played a little bit better uh, over the last few games. I mean, he went through that stretch where he just kind of bottomed out in mid-December. They ended up benching him. He's been back in the lineup uh, over the last two games, the starting lineup that is. He's averaging 19 points, six assists over his last five games, he's given you, you know, pretty high volume threes. And when I say I don't like him, I mean more in real life than in fantasy. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, in general, I don't know if you're asking if you should trade for him or, uh, you know, what the rest of season value looks like. I think he'll, you know, kind of hover around being a, a top 100 player, you know, with the upside to, to climb closer to the top 75. And then, you know, Keegan Murray points, threes, occasional defensive stats, decent rebounder, you know, for his position kind of swings between the four and the five for them. Uh, you know, the free throw percentage has been a little disappointing, although he doesn't take, a, take enough that it really matters all that much. Um, you know, I, I'm, I play mostly in category leagues and, and obviously he's somebody that I'm, I'm just targeting for threes. Yeah. And, uh, and he hits them at a pretty high clip, uh, 42% over his last 10. Uh, Murray's a career 39% three point shooter. So, uh, Keegan is someone that I really like, uh, real life wise and fantasy wise, the Kings need him to play the brand of basketball that they want to play. Uh, I think he's played really well as of late, a 32 point outing just about eight days ago. So you gotta love, you love to see that D'Angelo Russell is so erratic. Uh, I hate guys like that in fantasy basketball that just drive me crazy. I never know what I'm going to get. All right, we'll go rapid fire through some of these. Sean says, have to drop one in a 10-team head-to-head category league. Suggs, Herb Jones, Grayson Allen, or Tyus Jones? 
Well, I've hitched my wagon to Grayson Allen, so I can't say him. Yeah, you better not be dropping Grayson Allen. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I just I, traded him. Just traded Anthony Simons for him. Um, uh, I, I like Herb Jones. I'm not. I I think I would drop Tyus Jones. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would right now. I, we, it would be one of the Joneses. Getting, I, I'm not dropping Suggs after a tough road a stint. The guy's much better at home. Okay. Last 15 games for Tyus Jones, 15 points, almost seven assists, 1.4 steals. Percentages are, are fantastic. Uh, shooting almost 50% from three. I mean, that'll come down at some point. I don't think I'm really looking to offload him right now. I, th- I think I would go with Herb Jones. And, you know, he's somebody that I always like as like my final starter in, in, a, in a 12 or a 14 team league. But, uh, you know, we're starting to see more Larry Nance over the last couple of games. He's been one of the most added players this week uh, on Yahoo and across most formats. And, you know, with Herb Jones, they, they just have a lot of mouths to feed, right? If, if Larry Nance is going to play 20, 25 minutes and Trey Murphy is, is back and healthy and Zion's healthy, it's just like, I, I do think he's the guy that could kind of get squeezed in some ways. And he's always going to continue to start. You know, I think he's a probably better real life player than fantasy player. He needs to be giving you either high volume threes and or high volume defensive stats. And and lately that just hasn't really been the case. You know, he's been at 1.2 steals plus blocks combined over the last month. So I, I think if we're going with that trend, I, I'm going to drop Herb Jones. Yeah. All right, quick one yes. here. Would you, trade, you, have, you have selected the right Jones. Would you trade Miles Bridges for Siakam right now? I would do it. I, I, I want Siakam, especially if I think he's landing in Indy. I like Siakam where he's at right now. I like him a little bit more if he's in Indianapolis, and I'll take my chances elsewhere. Uh, I like Siakam in that spot too. Yeah, those guys are really comparable, but I, I think Siakam potentially moving to Indy would, would push it in his favor. Uh, Ant, a familiar name in the stream, says, Hey, fellas, I got Derek Lively, and his production feels so lackluster. Thoughts if he will ever be consistent this season? Great show. I appreciate the kind words, Ant. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have Derek Lively anywhere. So to be honest, I yeah, obviously I've been paying attention, but I'm not like locked in on, on his box scores every single night. And, you know, the, the consistency, <coughs> excuse me, especially scoring wise, you know, it's been very up and down. Um, you know, even the defensive production over the last month has not been nearly as consistent as it was, you know, in early December, he had a great run where he was giving you like multiple blocks, multiple steals. It felt like every night, um, to answer your question, I would say, I don't know if he's going to become consistent this year. I mean, he's ultimately a, a young rookie. He's raw. You know, I, I don't think anybody really knew what to expect. So I think you're just going to have to live with the ups and downs. He has helped the, uh, in the win loss column way more than a rookie should, mm-hmm. So I think he falls into the bucket of better real life player than fantasy player. The way that he helps Luca in the pick and roll game, um, uh, he's he can be the the rim running type of big that Luca is desperately needed, especially with his ability that cross court passing uh, that that makes him so unique. Um, so Derek Lively is a guy that I really like, really high on, but yeah, the stats are not there, so. Yeah. It's hard to trust him in fantasy. And you'll have to excuse Nick's cough. Uh, he uh, was in negative 24 weather last night. <laughs> How are you still alive? I live in Florida. I literally that. can't fathom what you yeah, are experiencing up there. This is this has been, and I've lived in Wisconsin my entire life. I really think this has been the worst week of weather that we've ever had. Like 14 inches of snow over this past weekend. And then immediate drop down to, to negatives for like five days in a row. I got, I got scolded by the mailman yesterday. I happened to be outside warming my car up because you have to do that. If you're going to drive anywhere, you need to like, let it sit for 10 minutes. And the mailman drove by and like yelled at me for not clearing enough snow around the mailbox. Like it's, it's an ice block, dude. Like there's like, I would love to, I would love to clear it. I, there's literally nothing I could do. I would need like a, like an old school chisel uh, to go out there, but yeah, it's These are not here. conversations you have in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. I should also that. address like the room that I'm in. I have the background blurred. As you can see, my, my hands are blurring. Um, this is the one room and I just moved into a new house. My, the one room that has like horrendous wallpaper is the office room and it's like half torn down. So if I didn't blur it, it would look even worse. And I know it looks bad as is. So I just want to want to be upfront about that. We'll have a better setup. Uh, hopefully by the time we're, we're back on the pod next week. Anyway, we got questions to run through here. Uh, talked about a few of these guys already. Would you drop Jalen Suggs or Trey Murphy for Derek Lively? I'll mm. let you speak on Suggs. He, he's been terrible the last three games. But oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't. Is that a trend or is that just a bad road trip? It's a road trip. Jalen Suggs is the prototypical role player who is dynamite at home and 
it's completely lost if out on the road too long. So I am not looking at Jalen Suggs saying, oh, this guy's fallen off. Watch this team come back home on Friday against Philadelphia. He'll be right back to the guy that you fell in love with on your fantasy roster. These are the ebbs and flows of the Suggs season. So if that's my that's my take on, on Jalen, I'm pretty confident that's the way this is going to play out. But I think it comes down to your roster. What do you need? If you need the the position uh, that Derek Lively is filling for you, then yeah, that's a move that you're going to have to make. But I would not look at Jalen Suggs' production as of the last three games and say yeah. that he's just fallen off. It's just a road trip blip. Yeah, I think I think dropping either of those guys for Lively is defensible. If you need help at center, if you, yeah. you badly need rebounds, you need you need blocks. Like, yeah, that's totally fine, especially in a ten team league. If that's what this is, um, I would I think I would in a vacuum prefer Suggs and Murphy over Lively. But again, if you need rebounds and blocks, then then probably go ahead and and really drop either of those guys. I think they're pretty comparable. Um, Murphy, of course, a little more reliable for the volume threes. Uh, Skeeter asks, is J-Dub a sell high or a hold? Talking Jalen Williams from the Thunder. I, he's a hold for me. He's one of my favorite players, man. I, I absolutely yeah. love watching him. I mean, even last night, you know, in that Clippers game, like hit some huge buckets to, to keep them close. Like he's just wildly confident. Um, obviously a guy who you know, went in the late lottery last year. Not a lot of people knew a ton about him unless you're a big college basketball junkie. But I don't, I don't think he's going to drop off anytime soon. I mean, he's basically, he's been this guy since early last season. Like he's just super, super consistent, shoots a good percentage. Uh, for a guy who takes some tough shots, I, I wouldn't really be looking to sell high. I, I think he can sustain. Yeah, this um, this Oklahoma City Thunder team is for real. They've turned a corner, and we know what we're getting out of SGA. Uh, he is the straw that stirs the drink, but you're not going to get there with one great player. We've got a number of teams with a all-star caliber player that are nowhere near as good as uh, the Thunder are. And I say all of that to say that Jalen Williams is the kind of player with the with the the way that he has come into his own in the NBA in a very short period of time is the reason why this team is taking a leap the way that they are. Chet Holmgren, the instant impact they're getting from him in year one, that's part of the reason. So these guys are absolute holds, 25 points in each of the last two games, and it's not like he's doing it inefficiently, which I don't think anybody on that team does. I'm just blown away with what I've seen from OKC, and uh, and I don't see that I don't see that going away at any point in this season. All right, we'll hit a few more before we head out. Uh, George says I just traded away Jaron Jackson and OG and Anobi for Paul George in a head-to-head nine-cat twelve-team league because I was scared of Memphis shutting him down and his inability to create his own shots. Uh, if you're listening to the pod, we completely agree with you on that. The question is, Brandon, did he overpay or is this a good move? A slight overpay, but I think you're overpaying for good products. So don't have an issue with it. Sometimes we overpay. I've got a pair of shoes in the garage. I know I paid too much, but I wear them every day and they're super comfortable. So, you know, this is, I think that's what you're getting with Paul George. You worry about some injuries, but uh, the Clippers are playing well right now. One of the best teams in the Western Conference. Um, and and Paul George is as consistent and reliable when he's on the floor as anybody in the NBA. Hopefully you got him in your lineup last night because he had his best game of the year. He was fantastic, just completely took over that game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I think when you're trading for a top 20 guy, you're inherently going to overpay more often than not. So I, I, I think you're right. I think you slightly overpaid, but in this instance when you're expecting you – know, if Jared Jackson falls off the way you think he will, then it won't be an overpay two months from now. So I, I think right. you're okay there. Um, Dennis says, do I drop quickly for Bruce Brown? I would say no. Yeah, I'd rather have quickly. Yeah, I think, you know, if Bruce Brown were to end up in Toronto, ironically, alongside quickly, you know, maybe some more opportunity there and he could get back to, you know, closer to the player he was last year. I just, there's just not a ton of upside with Bruce Brown. It's like, I think a lot of things need to be in place for him. Like the defensive stats have to be elite. You know, the the field goal percentage has to be really good because he's just not a high volume guy. And, you know, with quickly, you're going to live with some more ups and downs, but I, I would prefer the quickly side of that one. Um, Manila most wanted says thoughts on the Melton injury. Do I keep him or uh, consider dropping him? You know, Melton was great earlier in the season. Uh, the defensive stats, especially have, have been fantastic as they tend to be with him. I mean, he's always been over one steal per game guy, even when he was playing like 18 minutes a game in Phoenix earlier in his career. Uh, you know, they're saying he's going to miss at least one more week. If you're in a shallow league, you could probably drop him. I mean, we're ultimately talking about DeAnthony Melton. If you have an IR spot, maybe just wait it out for another week. 
yeah, I mean, he's an 11 point per game guy, give you a steal, but look at the injuries dealing with lumbar spine stress. That doesn't sound good. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you have to be comfortable dropping him, especially if you need somebody to f- fill that spot. All right, go quickly through a few more. Guilford says, Jaron Jackson for Chet, 12-team head-to-head league. I would take Chet every day, no of the doubt. Week, especially right now. I think, you know, earlier in the season, like even a week ago, that's that's a debate because Jaron Jackson was playing so well. Uh, for all the reasons we've talked about throughout this pod, I would, I would much rather have Chet Holmgren. Uh, Joel says, should I trade away LeBron right now? If yes, what's the best value I could get for him? It's a conversation we've had all year. You're kind of waiting for the injury for LeBron. You know, the production has been fantastic. I mean, world's better than you'd ever expect from somebody his age. Uh, there's been a slight downturn lately. He ranks outside the top 25 in the last month, but I, as long as he's healthy, you know, he's going to be an elite guy. It's just a matter of, you know, do you think he's going to remain healthy? If you're trading LeBron, I would I would try to get a you know more reliable, maybe slightly lower upside, uh, you know, big name guy back. You know, do you, do you flip him for someone like a Jamal Murray or Alperin Shangoon or you know you float out like a I don't know? Could you get Dame Lillard? Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, De'Aaron Fox ranks lower than him. He's been bad over the last month. Um, yeah, I, I, again, if if you're trading LeBron, I don't think you have to. But if you believe he's going to get hurt at some point, as recent history would dictate then don't, 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 you know, feel like you have to take 80 cents on the dollar. I think you can still get somebody pretty good back. What about, um, what about a guy like Victor Wimbanyama going the complete opposite direction age wise and what Wemby has been doing, um, is otherworldly. I think you could, I think that's a trade you might be able to pull off if, if I don't know why the Wimbanyama manager yeah. would want to do it, but. Right. I mean, with Wimbanyama, you, I think there's still the lingering shutdown possibility. So there you're incurring, a decent amount of risk there, but you know, I mean, Wembenyama, even though he's playing 24 minutes a night, is still putting up elite numbers. I, I don't mind at least throwing that offer out there. Yeah. Uh, Sean says another trade question. He was offered Drew Holiday and Terry Rozier for Trey Young. Would you take that offer? Ten team nine cat league. Oh, especially in a ten team, I would take Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think Rozier, you know, had a great great month and a half without Lamelo. I think that's going to come back down to earth. You know, Drew. He's been fine. He ranks, you know, around like 75 on the year. Trey Young, I mean, we, we could we could quibble about, you know, the Hawks and, and their lack of upside. He is still a big-time, elite, ultra-consistent fantasy option, top 15 guy. So I would I would not take that deal unless unless you really have depth issues and, you you know, you need to add somebody. But, it, you know, in a 10-team league, that would really be the case. Um, I would I would hold Trey Young. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Need um, more for your all-stars. All right. Another question, he says, this guy really wants my Jalen Johnson. He's open to trading DeJounte Murray. I assume that's DeJounte Murray. Could be Jamal Murray. Um, Austin Reeves, Porzingis, Kessler, Lively, Harden, Avdia, Giddy. He says, I have Duncan Robinson, DiVincenzo, Okungu, or Caruso to package with him. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, for one, it depends on who the Murray is. <laughs> it could be Keegan Murray, I suppose. Uh, it could be Chris Murray. Probably not. Could be Bill Murray. Probably. Yeah, it could be Bill Murray. Um, you know, I if you can get if you can get James Harden, you know, if it is Jamal Murray and you could get him, then sure. It would not be that. a Wednesday episode if Nick didn't spend a couple of minutes waxing poetic on uh, James Harden. Victory lapping on James Harden. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, again, if, if if it's you have to give up, let's say Jalen Johnson and Dante Divincenzo to get James Harden, I would a hundred percent do that. If, if if this guy in your league is down to do that, I, I would make that trade. As much as I like Jalen Johnson. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of guys there that um, that you can make that move for. It's hard, it's hard for me to put all of this together at once, but uh, J- Jalen Johnson. I mean, I don't trust Porzingis, and I really need to know what Murray that is before I dive into that. Walker Kessler has been a little disappointing. Um, Josh Giddy's starting to turn it around, so if we're going to throw all this love the way of the Oklahoma City Thunder, not a bad option either. All right, we'll hit a couple more, then we got to go. Joe Juice says, do I drop Bain? I'm not usually a drop guy in these situations. Um, And and by the way, it is Jamal Murray. We we have the, we have identified (laughs) the Murray. It is not DeMarco Murray. It is not Bill Murray. It is Jamal Murray. Um, So yeah, add him to the list of of potential targets there. I mean, Jalen Johnson has been great. So it's not like you have to deal him, but if if somebody's willing to overpay, um, you know, I I think you should be able to capitalize, but back to Bain, 
I typically don't drop players in this situation. I will say I mostly play in leagues that have IR spots, so it's a little bit easier to to say. Um, you know, I I'd be pretty surprised like if if he's dropped in my NFBKC league. If he is, I'm going to pick him up and just hold him. And hopefully, I you know even if you get 15, 20 games at the end of the year, um, you, know, you get a nice boost there. I don't. This is to me, this is not a long term enough injury quite yet where I'm worried about that. I wouldn't drop him now. You know, if it's if we get three weeks from now and he's not making any progress and the reports are negative and Memphis loses ten in a row, you know, then maybe you think about it. But I wouldn't do it right now. If you need the roster space, which is always the caveat, I think the answer is yes. It's a six-week injury, uh, and then maybe set an alert on your phone about four weeks from now and just try and pick them back up. See if if that yeah. if you're confident enough, you have to know the people that you're playing against. Are they if they're just going to scoop him right up, and you don't need to drop him, then don't do it. So I, I always I always use that as my barometer. If I'm about to drop a player and they're going to be scooped up immediately, they're probably they probably shouldn't be dropped. Yeah. Um. So maybe drop them now. Set the alert on your phone for four weeks and then pick them back up if you're confident he's still going to be there. All right, we'll do two more and then we're out, Brandon. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tillman, Plumley, and Wendell Carter Jr.? Who's the better pickup of those three in a nine cat roto league? Hmm. I, I think Wendell Carter, Carter Jr. Guy. is a real trade option here at this point. Wendell Carter Jr. and, Mar- like and Markel Fultz. I think that those two would be at the top of their trade list. So that would be an interesting speculative um, yeah. ad because, because of a future trade. But as of right now, he wouldn't be at the top of my list. I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I – man, I mean – Plumlee's going to play 25, 28 minutes, I think, for the next month with Zubac out. I would, I would say Plumlee or Tillman before I'm picking up Wendell Carter. You can, you can hope on a trade, but I mean, Tillman's had like three, three games in the last week that have been better than anything Wendell Carter's done all season in yeah. terms of fantasy. So I would, I would say, I would say Tillman one, Plumlee two, but it's close. And then Carter to me is a relatively distant three. Um, is Larry Nance a good pickup? Seems to be. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I saw him as one of the, the highest added players on Yahoo and, you know, he's played 26, 20, 20 minutes over the last three games. He's got seven steals in that span. So that's a big part of the reason that, you know, if you're looking at recent rankings, he's way up there. Not really sure. That's totally sustainable. Um, you know, I just, you can't really rely on just getting two steals in like 22 minutes every single night. And the Pelicans rotation is you know so loaded right now, but I would say in a 14 or 16 team league, yes, I'm picking him up. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth an ad right now because of what he's done the last few games. And um, then the Pelicans are not shy about giving other guys opportunities if they're playing well. But I'd be ready to to move off of him quickly because there's a yeah. chance that he reverts back to the single digit per game guy that he was. All right, we got to do one more, Brandon. We got we got a, we got tears in the chat. Uh, we got totally to answer a Halliburton question, uh, Skeeter. Uh, longtime viewer of the chat. We appreciate the question, Skeeter. He says, uh, he, he asked earlier, <clears throat> you know, he had a, a team that's dealing with percentage issues. Field goal percentage, free throw percentage are poor. Thinking about maybe punting at least one of those categories and perhaps trading Tyrese Halliburton to do it. Uh, and he said he was offered Dinwiddie and Trey Young for Tyrese Halliburton. Um, is that a trade you would consider making if you are in percentage hell? Uh, yeah, anytime I can get Tyrese Halliburton on my team, in most well, he, he has Alberton. Okay. Oh, the, the oh they were offered. Okay, I missed that part. Um yeah, no. I'm no, I'm not willing. If I was that willing to oh. do it on the other side, I can't be willing to do it if I have Halliburton in this situation. I think there are other ways to fix your problem. I, I think there are. I do I do think this is defensible though. I mean, it's like Halliburton has been better than Trey Young on the year, but not by as much as you'd think. You know, like Trey Young is averaging more steals. Trey Young hurts you more in field goal percentage, but if you're punting that, you don't care. They're extremely comparable in terms of free throw percentage, but Trey Young takes twice as many per game. So I think that is the that is the goal here: is that you're you're taking the hit on field goal percentage, you're getting a comparable player, but you're getting somebody who, in theory, should improve your free, your free throw percentage because he's taking eight or nine per game, whereas Halbert is taking four per game. So I actually, I think it, it, by that line of reasoning, I think this is actually a fair deal. I would maybe try to get somebody other than Dinwiddie because he's just going to continue to tank those percentages, uh, both field goal and free throw. So maybe get like a better free throw shooter as a throw in. But 
Um, if your goal is to punt field goal and try to rescue free throw, then I actually think this is this is pretty doable. All right, we got to be on our way out here. Appreciate everybody throwing questions in the chat. You guys make this fun for us to do. You make it informative. Hopefully we gave you some good answers. Uh, we'll have Dr. A and Rick Kamla back on the stream tomorrow morning. Alex, Ken, and Shannon talking waiver wire on Friday. I'll be back with Alex on Monday. Brandon, I will talk to you at 9.30 Central Time next Wednesday. And looking forward to having you on the XM show later this week as well. Single tier, Skeeter. I totally get it.